It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Pugar. Corey, we are well into the offseason for Penn State. And no matter what the talk is always about, and James Franklin did speak with the media uh, on National Signing Day uh, earlier this week on Wednesday. I uh, had a lot to say about a lot of different things, and we'll get to that here later in the show. But the biggest thing, I think, that the point of contention for Penn State fans, um, is the schedule. It's always the schedule and who Penn State plays. Why it matters to me this year, um, well, Penn State's bye week was adjusted um, when the new schedule came out. I had to adjust a couple of things in my personal life. I'm getting married in the um, in November now. Uh, I have to miss a Penn State game, so I will not be at the Penn State, um, the Penn State-Maryland game. Now, Back when, you know, this all started, Maryland wasn't really a part of the Big Ten um, when the, the scheduling conflicts occurred. But much has changed since Maryland and Rutgers have joined the Big Ten uh, in recent years. Well, congratulations to you. Uh, your better half, whoever you're with, is your better half. That's awesome. Um, and congratulations. And it's interesting. We, we got a great discussion here about the divisions and everything. But what Jared mentioned about the schedule changed. I heard from upwards of 10 people who were pissed about that because it was initially going to be Ohio state coming to Beaver stadium in like week five or whatever it was. All right. And so people plan that out for a year in advance. Jared, how long, how long have you had a wedding plan for November? When, When would the, when would the planning for that have started? Uh, it's it's been ongoing, but we just kind of set a date here in the last week. I proposed okay. last Saturday. Okay, so it's not like your plans that you already had done for a year. I, I had people reach out to me and say, "I was coming to State College. I'm paying this enormous rate for a mm-hmm. hotel or what have you because Ohio State's going to be in town." And look, there's, I don't know if there's any way around it. Schedules do change, but we can't overlook the fact that. Penn State football trips and weekends, home and away, are part of people's lives. You know, whether you're renting your house out or your hotels in your booking rooms or your fans and you're traveling all over and you've got to spend a lot of money. So when they when it, it, that was a byproduct, I, I'm not a season ticket holder. I I cover games whenever there are games, just like you do. 
But that was a byproduct that I heard from a good 10 people about last month or so when they did the schedule change that, boy, that really kind of threw a monkey wrench into things. Right. I mean, you have weddings being planned for bye weeks. You have bye week trips being planned. You have weekend trips, you know, wherever Penn State goes. Penn, traveling for Penn State football is a big deal. Yeah. When, when they go to Auburn, that's going to be a big deal, you know, and that's that's what makes college football so special. It's the it's the camaraderie. It's those trips. It's, you know, going Big Ten City to Big Ten City and seeing new places and seeing new things. That's what makes college football and college athletics so special. Yeah, I agree. And and that is a good segue into what we're going to talk about today. And that's the schedule and the Big Ten divisions and just what the future of the Big Ten is going to look like. I asked James Franklin about this Wednesday. What is in Penn State's best interests with the Big Ten? Is it no divisions? Is it, you know, what would you prefer your protected crossover rivalries to be? There's a lot we can get into and unpack on this, Jared, because at the end of the day, and James Franklin gave an excellent answer on this, an excellent answer that was a big picture view. Because if you're listening to this podcast, you're a Penn State fan, you care what happens to Penn State. James Franklin gave an answer that the Big Ten needs to do what's in the best interest of the Big Ten. Sure, everybody would like what's in the best interest of Penn State, but the Big Ten has to do what's in the best interest of everybody to get as many teams in that discussion for a playoff berth or that kind of thing, beating each other up for nine games when the SEC is only playing eight games, so that's no good. Having an imbalance of power with three of the best programs in the history of college football all in one division in Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, and then the other division is relatively weak. There's a lot that the Big Ten is going to have to figure out here to even this up. Right, and, you know, it goes back to – the legends and leaders, Corey, back when uh, there were only 12 teams in the Big Ten, um, when it was um, the legends division was this. And I think this is the most fascinating thing. Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Northwestern. The leaders division, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, Wisconsin. If you want to go with what they've got now, and you hey, throw... Jared, let me stop you real quick and say I love that. Oh my god! Everything yes. that you just said, we can make fun of the legends and leaders' titles because they were goofy. I would take what you just said in a heartbeat over the current state of the Big Ten with Maryland and Rutgers. I've never been a fan of Maryland and Rutgers coming in. Those divisions are terrific. I, I like those. I think I think that's pretty damn good. You got Michigan and Wisconsin on one side, Penn State and Ohio State on another side. I, you know, we again we can laugh at legends versus leaders, but during that brief period, hey, I think the Big Ten had it was going pretty well. Right. I mean I think if you look at that, that's a great balance of teams mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. Even if you threw Rutgers and in, in, um, in, uh, Maryland in there right now and you pick one, one division or the other, whatever, cool, it's not a big deal. But that's, that's a, those are two divisions that you're going to get the best out of it because Iowa's going to be playing Michigan. Michigan's going to have to beat Iowa. Michigan and Michigan State still get to play. Penn State and Michigan State can have their crossover game, just like Ohio State and Michigan always will. Then – you know, you Penn State plays Michigan every four years or three years or two years or whatever. 
Same thing with maybe in Nebraska or, or what have you. But they're playing teams like Purdue, Ohio State. Now you're not going to beat each other up. It's not like the Big Ten East where you got to play Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State every single season. Yeah, right. And this is where it is. I, look, I do think the Big Ten I, – I don't know exactly what the decision will be. I, I think no divisions is probably going to be the way they're going to go. Excuse me. Now, with with Jim Delaney in charge, I think Jim Delaney was extreme, a great visionary, and understood, you know, major decisions going forward. I don't have faith in Kevin Warren uh, at, at this stage. What the Big Ten has got to do, and again, I give James Franklin credit for pointing this out, is you've got to do what's in the best interest of the league, and what's in the best interest of the league is to split things up as much as you can. And at the end of the day, have as many programs standing and standing strong so that when you get to a 12-team playoff situation, the Big team, the Big Ten needs three teams in there. Every year, really, Jared, every year, they need to have three teams in that top 12. And, hey, some years four. And the way you do that <clears throat> is you've got to change some things up. So here's what's interesting. Again, fans may love seeing – those if it, say you had no divisions, Penn State is going to play Ohio State every year. Period. End of discussion. That is going to happen. And then I think that the the Big Ten, everybody would want Penn State to continue to play Michigan State. So no matter what happens going forward, in in, in under whatever they do, Penn State's going to continue to play Ohio State and Michigan State every year. But going back to that legends and leaders stuff. They were not in the same division as Michigan. They didn't play right. Michigan every year. And I think we're going to have to get used to that because Penn, it is absolutely not in Penn State's best interest for its three crossover games every year to be Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. That's three potential top 10 or top 15 teams almost every year. And Penn State, that's a, that's a gauntlet that doesn't favor Penn State if the end goal is to be in that top 12. Yeah, I mean, again, Big Ten has to do with the, what's best for the Big Ten. They need as many big-time players in that playoff as they can. And, yeah, you're going to get complaints about the schedule. You're always going to. And this isn't, this isn't a segment based on making excuses for Penn State football and why they've struggled. This is what's doing what's best for the Big Ten. And what's best for the Big Ten is having Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa, or even a Wisconsin in contention – in, in talks for an expanded playoff. And that's, it's that simple. Whether they make it to the Big Ten Championship or not, you have to do its best. And that means more money for the schools. That means more money for the conference. And that means an overall better product year after year in the Big Ten. And what will be very interesting to see going forward with all of this is, say they go to eight conference games. Now you've got four non-conference games, okay? And that's going to kind of suck a little bit for Penn State fans for this reason. There just simply will not be a reason to schedule more than one tough non-conference opponent. They're, they're just – because fans want good opponents. But I've joked about this for years, Jared. If me and you and 20 dudes that we go get at Walmart – show up to play Penn State at Beaver Stadium on a Saturday, 100,000 people are going to be there. It doesn't matter who they play. They can play Akron. They can play Eastern Illinois. They can play Toilet Bowl Tech State University. 
they're going to get 100,000 people. And that's the great benefit of Penn State. And so if you're playing four non-conference games, there's going to be one really, really good one. Will there be a second one? You know, not if, not if it doesn't help you with your end result goal of getting to the top 12. Because playing a second, while fans want it, and believe me, I do understand it, fans want it, James Franklin wants to win games. And if he beats Auburn, but then also beats Akron, Buffalo, and Toilet Bowl Tech State, you know what? They're in contention for the playoff. If he beats Auburn and loses to NC State or somebody else, now all of a sudden you've got a loss, and you can maybe afford one loss in the Big Ten, but you certainly can't afford two. So my point is going back to that non-conference these coaches, you got to sell tickets and you got to please the fans, but these coaches want guaranteed victories as much as possible. Right. You know, it's just one of those deals. But one of the things I think that's important to note about Penn State's schedule, no matter what happens, is the quarterback situation. And we'll talk about that here in the second segment of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey, let's be real. There is not a quarterback controversy in Happy Valley. It's Sean Clifford's show. It's Sean Clifford's team. Anything other than that means something disastrous has happened in Sean Clifford's career, whether it's on the field um, or off the field. Yeah, and this is something I wrote about this earlier in the week at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Um, we want there to be a competition. James Franklin, one of his core principles is compete in everything you do. Jared, you're around. You, you're, you're a coach on a high school football team, a high school girls basketball team. You can't tell the ninth or 10th or 11th girl on the team she's never going to play. you got to give them something to work for. You, you've got to say, you've got, you've got to give them, hey, if you compete, and you outwork the starter, you'll get to play. But in reality, there are starters, and there are reserves at every sport, and football is especially. We, we want Drew Aller to come in as the number one quarterback in the country, and we want him to be awesome, right? We want him to kick ass and take names, 
and be awesome in spring in spring ball and go to the blue white game in April and complete 27 or 28 passes for 397 yards and five TDs. That's what we want. And if he does that, could he beat out Sean Clifford? No, he, he can't. He, he can't because you've got a three-year starting quarterback, a 20, he'll be a 24 year old man. He'll be a three-time team captain, four-time team captain by the time. Four-time yeah. starting Four quarterback. Four-time team captain, yeah, by the time the season goes. And you've got your first game at Purdue. You're going to start a true freshman on the road and a Big Ten opener? No. You've got your third game at Auburn. You're going to start a true fresh, freshman on the road in the SEC when you've got a 24-year-old, sixth-year college quarterback? No. So James Franklin can say that there's a quarterback competition and you, you're, you're going to give Drew Aller every opportunity to practice and do everything he can, along with Christian Bayou, the starter September 3rd against Purdue is going to be Sean Clifford. Right, and as it should be. Listen, as much as we all can sit here and debate that we want somebody new, somebody fresh, how that might be a good thing for Penn State, listen, nobody's got the experience that Sean Clifford has, good, bad, or indifferent. Four-year starter heading into – or it will be a four-year starter if things go to plan this offseason – but, you know, let's be real here. I mean, you want him in a hostile environment. Putting a true freshman isn't, isn't in, in, in the best interest of Penn State. We talked about what was in the best interest of the Big Ten in the first segment about the scheduling and having as many teams available. Well, listen, not many teams have a four-year starter at quarterback with the experience that Sean Clifford has. And while the last two years have not gone to plan, this is a quarterback that's won 10 games in a season before. Um, and that's, you know, that's, there's value in that, but again, there, to me, as much as we would want there to be, and as much as you have to say that there is as a coach and, and to, to just continue the integrity of the battle and of what you're trying to accomplish as a unit. I mean, we saw it last year with, um, with Christian value at, at one point, he was a third string quarterback, Taquan Roberson, who's no longer with the program ends up being a backup and, by the end of the season, he's no longer the backup. So there are there are competitions throughout the year, throughout the offseason, but there is no competition for the starter. It's who's going to take over when Sean Clifford finally leaves in 2027. <laughs> yeah, and and we can say, well, Clifford, because they know what they've got, spring ball should be more about Veyu and Aller and Bo Prabula and getting those guys ready, Okay. And while that very well might be the case, I, I just wonder if that's the best way to go. Because what do you have in Sean Clifford? Okay, he's older. Does he need as many reps in the spring as those young guys? Well, Jared, I think he does. He's seven and six last year, four and five the year before. Sean Clifford... I don't think you can just let him sleepwalk through the next five or six months while you're giving all of this experience to Aller and Prabula and Bayou because Sean Clifford still needs to show a mastery in Mike Yersich's offense. He still needs to show, you know, this is the whole component of having a, an offensive coordinator back for a second year because Clifford's had all these guys come and go uh, with Sharaka and Ronnie and, and Yersich. Well, but so if you've got that, does it make sense to be giving an inordinate amount of first team reps just for a competition to guys like Prabula and, and Aller and they know, because I, again, I think Sean Clifford still, while maybe not necessarily, does he have anything to prove? 
I do think he has areas to improve. All these things that you hear the coaches talk about, Jared, you and I have talked about this in person or in public or in private. Coaches will say, Sean, what a great leader. What a great leader he is. What a hard worker he is. Really respected. They don't talk about how he's a great quarterback. You never hear. The, the accolades you talk about with Sean Clifford are, are never, boy, he's really accurate. He really puts the ball on the money. He really makes good big-time throws when we need them. See, you don't hear that. You hear hard work. You hear work ethic. You hear leader. You hear smart, intelligent. He has all the intangibles in the world. He just lacks the physical completing of them during games. Right. And, you know, the inconsistencies are a big deal. And, and could they could, – would it behoove them to play some of those younger guys? Maybe. I mean, what, what's the worst that can happen? You go four and five again? Been there, done that. Um, you go 500? I mean, they're just so, there's just so much that, that could happen. And, and this isn't a knock on Clifford by any means, but, I mean, four years is more than enough. I mean, three years, I should say, because we haven't gotten to that fourth year yet. But, hey, you know what? It's James Franklin's world, and, and we're living in it. But here's where it's interesting. Because of what Kenny Pickett did, we're all, everybody is always going to be crossing their fingers to be the next Kenny Pickett, all right? You go to Purdue. If you beat Purdue, good start. Ohio second week. Then you go to Auburn. And so are they going to win at Auburn? Auburn's going to have some changeover, a lot of guys in the portal. But Clifford has played in those kinds of games. If they beat Auburn and you're 3-0, and now the glass is half full and we're back to thinking, okay, what, what could this season hold? And if that happens, absolutely, Sean Clifford is your quarterback going forward. But what's interesting is you got Purdue, you got Auburn, you got Michigan, all in the first five weeks or six weeks, all on the road. What if you're 3-3 three and three or 4-2? and two? If you're 4-2, and two, yeah, I still think Clifford's the guy. Jared, October 22nd, Minnesota comes to Beaver Stadium. If Penn State is 3-3, three and three, which is possible with Purdue, Auburn, Michigan. If Penn State's 3-3 three and three, when Minnesota comes to town, who is the starting quarterback? Well, I think it's the, I think it's got to be the next best option, or James Franklin's going to be fired off the field. Or uh, not fired, but there are going to be shouts and chants of fire Franklin just like we saw in 2016. Don't you think you move forward? Oh, you have to. Point, you have at to. that point, you have this to, is yes. Drew Hours program. And that's at a, that and point. That's a situation that's not going to be easy for Franklin, but you got to cut the, got to pull the plug if that's Absolutely. the case going into that. Now, and, and that's what's going to be difficult for a coach because, okay, let, let's throw this part out. On October 22nd against Minnesota, Sean Clifford still might actually give Penn State its best chance to win that game. But if you're three and three and you've got the number one quarterback recruit in the country and you want to keep him happy and prevent him from going into the transfer portal, don't you have to cut bait and say, here you go, buddy. Yeah. I mean, you have to, Um, but again, it's it's what's best for Penn State and you know 
going back to that 2016 season, we the fact that James Franklin, if you if you were to sat there and said in, at that Minnesota game in 2016 when Franklin was chanted off the field at halftime that, that he should be fired, so where we're at today with him getting a 10 year extension, I would have laughed at you. I would have not taken it seriously because at that point in time, that was the turning point in Franklin's tenure at Penn State. That was the turning point of this era of Penn State football. But you know, since then, so much has changed good, bad, and different for James Franklin and those around him. And that's, that's not just, you know, him, that's his entire staff. And that's, you know, and that's, I think that's a good thing for Penn State. Yeah, there's, a, there's been a lot of change. We're going to do podcasts on all that because the changes have been crazy. One thing back to the schedule that will not be changing is Michigan will not be looking for a new head coach because Jim Harbaugh is sticking around. Oh, I got to find that quote. With the determination unknown to mankind, I think is what Harbaugh said. He's coming back to Michigan. He, you know, he turned down the Vikings, or the Vikings turned him down, or what have you. So, uh, if if indeed we do see no divisions and some protected crossovers, I don't think we're going to see Penn State playing Michigan every year. But Jim Harbaugh, at least, is still going to be there. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and that's good for Michigan. I think you know they finally got the program where they need it to be. Um, but again, you know, this is the time of year where coaching searches are going crazy. We're seeing that throughout college football, not necessarily now, but at the end of the December and the end of the football season, it got crazy. And in the NFL, it's been crazy. Um, And we're going to talk about that here in this next segment on the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Pergar. Corey, the coaching carousel is quickly speeding up, and it's in super drive in the NFL. We are in the middle of that that fascinating break between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl is uh, is today. And say what you want about that and yada, yada, yada. But, man, the NFL has not had a great month in February, even though it's only a few days old. You know what, Jared? I am really fascinated is one way to put it. Uh, Disappointed and just perturbed, really, about the whole Brian Flores situation. Um, If you followed that news throughout the week, and I saw a bunch of interviews that he did and uh, heard his stories and – just what a sham the minority hiring procedure has been in the NFL is really disappointing, embarrassing. Uh, it's, it's 2022, Jared. There's one black head coach in the NFL. One. That's Mike Tomlin. That is disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful. And if you follow the particulars of the Brian Flores situation – We thought he was going on an interview with the New York Giants. Turns out they had really already made their decision on another, not Brian, Brian Dable is going to get the job. Bill Belichick tweets a coach named Brian saying, congratulations, you got the job. 
but he tweeted the wrong Brian. He thought he was tweeting Brian Dable or, or text, texting. I'm sorry, texting. He thought he was texting to Brian Dable. He was texting to Brian Flores. And so Bill Belichick, a rival coach, knew who the coach was going to be of the New York Giants. And that's why we've got a lawsuit going. And I really hope that this is a watershed moment for the NFL. I hope it is. I kind of think that it will be, too, um, because I, I read one thing, Jared, that Brian Flores came with receipts. I thought that was a real good way to put it. Mm-hmm. He's got a lawsuit with receipts, which means proof. He's got the Belichick text. He's got meetings with Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, getting 100, 100 grand per loss. Boy, this is, this is a really bad look for the NFL. Yeah, this is a really bad look um, because, I mean, you have teams that are offering coaches, and Hugh Jackson even got it, another minority coach. Um, Hugh Jackson, former coach of the, um, of the Cleveland Browns, was offered money. Listen, man, I would love to get paid money to lose. It's not my competitive spirit, but, I mean, $100,000, $50,000, that adds up. But, you know, it, it, there are multiple layers to this because you have the minority aspect in the Flores, but you have the dirty aspect of owners – tanking to get better picks now of course it kind of worked for the dolphins if you look at it i mean that team was getting better under flores maybe it was in spite of him or whatever and maybe the ownership group um created that that rift by whatever his relationship was with Tua Tagovailoa um to to create that diversion from what they were trying to do off the field uh and turn him into the bad guy there um if the stuff with Belichick and that stuff is true, that's a shame on the Giants. Um, if the and, and the Giants put out a lengthy statement with the itinerary and everything that they had going on, and that's great, whatever. Um, but I'm sure in the adult and the Broncos did the same thing with Elway saying it was a late night or flights and whatever. And listen, it's this is going to get messy before it gets clean, and it's a bad situation. But you mentioned Mike Tomlin being the only African American head coach. Now, of course, there are minority fellow minorities and Ron Rivera and Robert Saleh with the Jets uh, and the Commanders. I, I was going to say the football team for Rivera, but they are the Commanders now. Um, and that's another podcast for a different day. Um, but there are still minorities and they are getting opportunities. But I mean, James Franklin is a minority. James Franklin is um, is an African-American a biracial uh, head coach um, in college football. And there aren't very many. Obviously, Mel Tucker is is also african-american he is coach of the uh, michigan state spartans um and what franklin i think has done has been great for minorities i think he's given them a really fair shot at penn state over the course of his uh tenure there yeah that's absolutely right and he was asked about that on wednesday and he said quote the thing i want to do is set a really good example and success that we have here hopefully will open up more opportunities for guys around the country And he goes on to say that he wants to, if he's got an opportunity, he wants to be able to introduce, uh, you know, maybe some young African-American assistant coaches to other ADs, commissioners, that sort of thing. Charles Huff was on James Franklin's staff. He's now head coach in college football. James Franklin has a a good coaching tree. Uh, And and look, there has never been – this is staggering to me, really. It's disappointing. But there's never been a black coach win a national championship in college football. It's never happened. I, it, Jared, it's 2020. Can you believe I just said that? Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. Now, of course, you're going up against Nick Saban. Right. And you're going against Dabo and some great coaches. Um, but you're right. I mean, and that's what's tough, man. It, it, it's tough. 
and there are only, have only been a, a few minorities in the NFL. Tony Dungy comes to mind. Mike, um, Tom. Mike Tomlin winning uh, winning Super Bowls. You know, there's still a lot of room for progress here for both NCAA and for the NFL. And hopefully, you know, we've seen the NFL outside of head coaches, I think, grow, um, you know, with assistant coaches and females and that sort of thing. And, and it's, it's trickling down. And listen, if they're qualified, that's great. I admire that. I would love to be qualified for some of those positions. They're qualified. They're the best candidate. That's great. Um, and I wish the best for all of them. And I think Brian Flores lands on his feet somewhere. Um, he, I think he's a really good coach. And I, I mean, the, him being fired was of no fault of his own uh, in Miami, which is an issue in and of itself. Um, but again, you know, there's got to be, there's, there's room for progress and there needs to be progress and continued progress um, in all aspects of sport, not just in, in the game of football, but baseball, basketball, and those sorts of things as well. Yeah, and I'll close with this. You know, James Franklin has been a really good representative at Penn State. There will be stories that come out with how he did the handle the situation. I mean, look, nobody's perfect. There was the Bryce Mostella situation. We don't know the truth there. We don't know both sides of the story. We're never going to know. James Franklin's never going to talk about it publicly. It sounded as if Bryce Mostella was saying that James Franklin kind of cut him loose, which – would not at all be a cool thing to do to a 19 year old kid. But again, we don't, we don't know the story there. I think James Franklin is, is a pretty good man. I think he is a good leader. I think he's a good representative of Penn state university. He is a very intelligent, uh, a very intelligent person, uh, a, a really good spokesman, again, good representative for the football program. So James Franklin is and has set a really good example as an African-American coach to, hey, you want to give a guy the CEO job, the head coaching job, have him run your, your major program? James Franklin has done a really nice job with that in a lot of ways. Look, we can nitpick the coaching all we want, and we have and we will until he continues, until he makes better decisions in games. But the, the bottom line, as a leader, as a head coach, as a CEO at Penn State University, James Franklin has done a really good job. And I just, it just baffles me how we still in this day and age, both at the collegiate and NFL level, and especially the NFL level, where we're even still talking about this shit, man. To be perfectly honest with you, this stuff should have been taken care of 10, 15, 20 years ago. One black head coach in the NFL is absurd. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, obviously, there's still positions open. Hopefully, they go to the right candidates. But again, you know, for James Franklin, I think, you know, he's doing a great job as a role model. We can say what he wants about the X's and O's, but it's never really been about the X's and O's for James Franklin uh, in his career. But that's about all we've got for today's show. Um, now, Corey, enjoy the rest of or, or the rest of Super Bowl Sunday, or not Super Bowl Sunday, Pro Bowl Sunday. Um, and, you know, next week we're going to preview some, uh, some Penn State guys in the, in the Super Bowl about that? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That'll be a lot of fun. I cannot believe the Cincinnati Bengals are there. That's amazing uh, to see what they pulled off. The, you know, the Rams really good, but a lot of Penn State guys in the playoffs still. Some really cool stories. I'd like you and I both from Altoona, we'd prefer if Kevin Givens were there with the Niners, but uh, hey, congratulations to all those guys who are going to play. We'll talk about it next week. That's right. So for Corey Geiger, this is Jared Brewer. This has been the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We will catch you again next week.